Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a baller. Welcome in. It's Christmas week here on the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Borgnoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew Betts and Mike Wright, who are both, seems like, in the Christmas mood. What gives you that impression? Tis the season. You guys, you guys feeling festive, <laughs> or are you just feeling like you're? He, he asked I asked you a question. You just looked you at impression. me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Off I wanted some energy on a on a you know first ever Christmas show. I mean, a Christmas special, if you will. Well, I am in the Christmas spirit. Let me just say, but. Right now, I mean, I'm just wearing like a regular t-shirt, you know, nothing Christmas themed in the background. So I was just wondering what makes you say that. And you just stared back at me as if, <laughs> as if I didn't ask yeah. you a question. <laughs> oh, you know, we're off to a great start today. Yeah. Uh, TV Christmas specials usually are just like one-off episodes. But I feel like the things that we're going to bring up on this episode that we're going to talk about are going to lead us into 2024. We're going to tease some rookies, talk about our Christmas wishes, kind of maybe even reminisce about years of Christmas past, but uh, Mike, you are still alive in the main Dynasty League. I am. Uh, I took out Brooksy. I've lost Jamar Chase more than likely, and I have, for a Dynasty team in the semis, I have a really unfair amount of actual legit start-sit questions. Like Usually, if you're this far with your dynasty squad, you got your main roster, and then you just have a bunch of trash on on the on the bench. I have like legit start sit decisions that could cost me, which is that's great. It you know it feels good. Feels good to be here, everybody. Didn't Nothing you, like uh, sweating a matchup that is very important around your family on the holidays. I mean, that's what the yeah. NFL is for, isn't it? <laughs> Mike, didn't you get the first ever start sit at quarterback right in your entire career? Yes. I yeah, I think for the 
that has been a bugaboo for me. But yeah, it was. Uh, we talked about it on the main show. Of do I go? There was three quarterbacks. It was Browning, Flacco, and and uh, Jared Goff. We went Jared Goff. But guess who gets to make that decision all over again with three terrible matchups for all the quarterbacks? Yeah. Bets, are you alive anywhere? Oh, oh yes, sir. I'm alive in, in quite a few. A couple buys last week. Uh, snuck through in a league where I was forced to panic start in a Superflex league. Zach Wilson with the Jalen Hurts news. I was like, man, I, I might not have a quarterback to play this week if Jalen Hurts doesn't play on Monday night. Forced to start Zach Wilson. No. Yes. Also on that team had Bijan. So I got Arthur Smith <laughs> and had Zach Wilson somehow snuck through. Thank you, James Cook, for turning in a career day. Uh, wow. I got very lucky in that one. So I had James Cook took on someone that had a floor game from Dak. Uh, so it's just funny how fantasy works out, man, when one week can just change everything, even though on the course of the year, you know, recently, especially Dak's been out of control. But yeah, I'm through to a few semis, uh, a couple best ball teams to sweat. So all is good. In That's unbelievable, sense, man. Yeah, I know. I was I was just like, as soon as I put Zach Wilson, in, I was like, I hate myself and I will see you guys next year. <laughs> uh, in one sense, I am not alive in my dynasty playoffs, but maybe in another sense, I have never felt more alive that Mike and Jason are just dead <laughs> in the dynasty. I don't know if I wanted to win more or wanted them to lose more. I understand. So their their team of destiny. Uh, finally came to an end and they'll probably have some offseason things to to talk about. We'll even talk about some of those players. What do you do with some aging veterans? And uh, so we'll talk about all that on the show. If you want to get in on the fun, you can go to jointhefoot.com to be a part of our community, talk about offseason moves, dynasty, everything else. And I wanted to give another pro tease because it's what podcasting is all about. In just a hot second, we're about to turn the page and look at the 2024 dynasty pass and that kind of leads into my quick question today because one of the things we do is profile rookies from a number of different angles. We look at their film, look at their college production, we compare it to wide receivers in the NFL, their draft capital. And my question for us is just to give a tease of one player in 2024 rookie drafts. We are going to be going through all of those players, entire episodes, looking at them. But my first kind of overarching point to give people before we dive into specific players is to make sure you take a collective approach. Like you're going to fall in love with players, fall in love with picks right now, but do not zero in on just one aspect. Don't just look at one tweet you saw from one person or one highlight film or just the production profile or just what college they went to. Like take a collective approach. We always talk about staying water with prospects and not just saying this is that player. But Mike, I'm going to let you go first because unless unless it's this player yeah all all those things that kyle said are very correct unless we are of course talking about marvin harrison jr i like i'm super pumped for january number one i will be free of this anxiety that is fantasy football playoffs which we love but it's also the worst to to just sit in it uh so in january that will be over i will either have a championship or i won't but then I get to jump into these rookies, and in season, there's only time for at least for me is it's NFL. I don't have I I'm not scouting. I'm not getting a bunch of information on these players. But Marvin Harrison Jr. This was already known last year that this dude is he is him. He's coming in pro ready. This is a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson level uh, of a prospect. He just took uh, took home the Blitnikoff 
Award, which that's best wide receiver in college. I mean, he has everything that you can possibly want. Size, he's a true number one. He's going to be drafted in the top five. He's the 101 from now until rookie drafts happen, un, you know, barring a dinosaur extinction level catastrophe. Marvin Harrison Jr. will be the 101. And we're just really, I'm, it's so exciting to get players like this in where, you know, I mean, you're, we're always excited about prospects, but they're even the ones you are the most excited about. They aren't can't miss, but Marvin Harrison is, in fact, a can't miss. Yeah, you're going to have every single box checked from production to draft capital to scouting evaluation to last year. You know, scouts were talking about him in JSN's pro day, like, okay, I have to wait an entire year for this player. Jason already tried to wrestle him away from Jeremy and I, who had the I can't believe he did this. So he, uh, what did he offer you? He just offered us Brees Hall straight up, and we said, "No way." We we we've been yeah, that's waiting. a hard pass. Yeah, and I and it was him trying to sweet talk and say, "Hey, I think this would be really good for your team." And I just shot back like, "No." No, like this is, no, you don't understand. We've waited the for this old, moment. Let me so. tell you why this is good for you. That That is the, <laughs> that is the worst. We already have JSN. We can add Marvin Harrison, just collect all the Ohio State wide receivers. So yeah, we're going to be talking about him a lot and gushing about him. Bets, you're up next. Yeah, the tight end position in Dynasty is, is fun again, uh, which is just crazy, right? Like we've got kind of the turning of the page here with these young guys in Laporta, uh, McBride, uh, you know, Kincaid, the list goes on and on. We're going to add Brock Bowers to that group here next year, who is out of Georgia. All the d- guy did was, as a true freshman, step on the field and set the record for the school uh, for tight ends with catches, yards, and 13 touchdowns as a true freshman. This dude won the Mackey Award in back-to-back years for the, for the nation's top tight end. And we don't have any data on how they're testing yet. Uh, obviously, we'll get that at Pro Days and NFL Combine. But this guy ran a 4 4 in high school so you get kind of this athletic move tight end that we love for fantasy and this is a guy who had a high ankle sprain this year had to have the tightrope procedure actually came back and played an sec championship game but even factoring in that he missed time with that injury still led the ncaa in yards after the catch this year not on a per game basis just overall even with missing time so he has the profile we look for in these difference making tight ends so i'm excited about brock bowers uh the guy's a stud yeah, and it's it'll be interesting. We've kind of stayed away from tight ends that have early capital because there's been value, but he's just different. He He's different in how he's used. Speaking as someone here in Georgia and someone that gets to watch SEC football, he's just teams have to scheme for him. They've got some fun players. I, I think I remember Mike and I had a conversation about Lad McConkey, which is just a really fun <laughs> wide receiver. Also, I mean, Brock ends up a Falcon, right? <sighs> Probably. Probably in there to block, baby. Yeah, we need him to block for uh, Johnny. That's (laughs) that's the key, so that so that we can get that in there. Um, I want to throw out quarterback because going into the season, it was everybody saying I need to tank for Caleb Williams in superflex leagues, and Drake May was kind of seen as right there with him, but a little bit behind in Dane Brugler's initial top fifty rankings, which Dane Brugler of the Athletic is. Really one of the best sources if you want draft information. He has Drake May number one on his big board. And Jaden Daniels came out of nowhere uh, for LSU and won the Heisman. So there's a couple of names up there, but J.J. McCarthy from Michigan, Michael Penix 
from Washington, Bo Nix from Oregon. These are all players that could be in the first round. And so in Superflex leagues, you might have a plethora of options to be able to jump in and see, you know, who's available for you in the first round if you're going to take a Superflex. But I just want to say before you say this is my guy or, you know, I think this person's overrated. One of the things that I look for in the scouting process is what they do in the intermediate area. So in that 11 to 19, if you can do that in the pros repeatedly, then you are one of those players that can make a difference. CJ Stroud, that was one of the strongest parts of his production profile we talked about on this show earlier this year. It was just saying he slays in that area and he's doing in the NFL. So uh, it is the most system dependent position. You guys can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but like we've seen so many quarterbacks drafted in the first round in the NFL draft. Bottom out just because one, the, the situation, the play calling, and it's a bad team, right? If you're getting drafted early on, your team stinks. And if you're not surrounded by a, you know, play caller that is somewhat creative, then it can't, it's not a guarantee just because these guys are great because they put up the production profile. Like we've seen that over and over and over again with these quarterbacks. So, uh, do you guys have any thoughts like right now, just based on personal feel vibes alone of who you like better between Caleb Williams Drake May or Jaden Daniels. Those are like the three I think that are separating. I have no vibes. That's okay. I, I think I love it's that. better to go in saying I'm not going to just go off of what other people are saying. Yeah, and truthfully, I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch these guys in detail. Kind of like Mike said, for us, we're just so you know in the weeds of the NFL season that when the calendar turns to January and things slow down for us, we really do dive in. So I don't have a strong take on any of these guys yet. I will say there's been a lot of positive buzz on uh Jane Daniels, as far as his ability to deliver in their intermediate area of the field, kind of something Kyle had touched on, which is something that not a lot of people were talking about with him, you know, when he was at Arizona State and then transferred. He was kind of not viewed as that type of guy, but he certainly adds the rushing that you look for, at least in fantasy. So he's interesting, but no, I don't think we have a strong consensus at the top. I've seen NFL draft analysts say that it's clearly Caleb Williams, and I've seen some that say it's clearly Drake May. So tells you that we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's okay. And part of the process for us in evaluating is that we kind of go individually. I love, you know, Jason does this all the time. You do this, Mike, where like you have your own notes somewhere and then you're like, Hey, have you watched this player yet? Oh, you haven't. Okay. Well, I'm not saying anything until you come back and kind of give me your thoughts. So I feel like it's a measured approach. We're not like fully in, we're not only looking at, you know, numbers only, but we're not just film bros grinding the tape. Uh, although we could be, if we wanted to sometimes, of, I course, get of course, of course we could. Yeah. Sometimes you get in the rabbit holes of like, this is what I want to do today. I'm just going to look at film. But uh, we will get all of those in the Dynasty Pass, which comes out uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. So uh, you can get on get in on that. But we have a special Christmas episode we're going to go into. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Jason Moore has played the role of Santa in the past. He and, has. and so much so that Jason Moore's voice, I think was probably the best to be able to give as Santa Claus, uh, spoiler alert. He has a pretty good boom, boom this week. Uh, oh no. It's, it's a great one. It, it, it's, it's going to be, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, just, just wait for it, Mike. I, and, I, I'm, I'm always waiting for it. And it's the only thing we actually plan for anymore. Jason just plans for you and your reaction to it. Okay. Um, so before we get into our Dynasty Christmas wishes, 
I want to first just kind of reflect, guys, what were your most memorable Christmas presents as a kid? And what was that like? Mike, you go first. Okay. Uh, the I have two that were kind of, you know, they, like they really stick out. They're pivotal moments. Uh, number one was as, I don't even remember how old I was, maybe seven, maybe eight, but it, it was at that time, it feels like everyone around me had a Nintendo Entertainment System, but I did not. So I would just, everything was, Mom, you got to take me to so-and-so's house. I mean, I'm, I specifically made friends in first grade who I knew they had a Nintendo. Like that, what, what did we have in common of, of personalities? They had a Nintendo and they had different games than I did. <laughs> so we were now friends so I could go to your house and play your Nintendo games. So that was incredible. And then the other one was uh, junior high. Yeah, my parents got me good. So it was, they, I, they gave me a seven string guitar, but they pulled the whole Christmas was done. And it's such a weird feeling as a kid. And you're looking at your presence. You're looking at your siblings presence and you're going, I'm really grateful for all this <laughs> stuff, but something is not adding up right now. There is like, there is a massive disparity in the presence that my sister got and what I got. So you're like, I'm not expecting anything else. I've opened all my gifts. I'm okay. Thanks guys. And then they go, Oh, well, hold on. And then they go into the back room. Like, well, we had one more thing. And they got me this guitar that I had been asking for, you know, forever. Uh, so that was in which I still have that guitar today. That is the guitar that does almost every single, uh, fantasy footballers drop. So I mean, I, I got that thing. Oh my God. Uh, we got to be coming up on 30 years of having that guitar. So that's awesome. Great, great instrument. I mean, good, uh, uh, good on my parents for getting me something that lasted for so long, but those are my two. Betsy. That's great. Yeah. Mike, you're probably looking around the room. You're like, sweet. I got a book. Oh, my yeah, sister got, it a, was, got a pony. It was, <laughs> it, they put me in such an uncomfortable position of to a Christmas morning of feeling disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> weird it was weird uh, that's great um for me the one that really sticks out is i feel like there aren't any 90s kids that weren't especially guys specifically but 90s kids opening an n64 on christmas morning was oh baby it i mean my goodness playing uh, uh tony hawk uh, so many games on that thing for hours and for me it'd what? be like Don't, the next hold on n64 and the first game you list is tony hawk i mean tony, tony hawk, hawk pro skater oh incredible games like i mean uh, the, the amount of hours i logged on tony hawk are out of control i'm just saying same specifically when i go n64 my brain does not go tony hawk oh, i what, go to the did, n64 exclusives goldeneye perfect dark mario GoldenEye. 64 smash bros Yes, Wave all the race. above. All the above. Yeah, I don't know why I'm that popped like, into my head. It's <laughs> but so it did. weird, man. <laughs> but it did. Uh, but man, just playing that for you know hours and hours and hours. Like in the days leading up to it, I probably had uh, after Christmas probably a total of like a hundred steps for like a week straight, just not moving my butt off the couch playing that game. So N sixty four was was awesome. My favorite system I got was my Super Nintendo. That one. That's still my favorite system I've ever had in my life. I still have my games that, you know, my King Griffey Jr., Major League Baseball, my Donkey Kong Country, my Mario Kart. Those are 
those were my games on that system, NBA Jam. Um, but I posted this picture for you guys to see, but like I had an Adidas phase in like fourth, fifth grade. Were you where, uh, like a big run DMC guy? I, I don't know what it was, but I basically had to have like only Adidas clothes. And I remember in fifth grade, it was a thing where like, I have to get new Adidas shoes by Christmas. So, that so this I is show, you like, in the track suit. Yes. And I nice. was just, and I was just rocking it. So, <laughs> um, that, and then my most memorable one was actually a little bit of a letdown. I asked for Jordans for a while. Cause I got into basketball in middle school and I finally got a pair of Jordans and I just was like, I'm going to be so cool. I love them. And then I wear them to school and literally five minutes into school, somebody goes, aren't those like the, the Eddie Jones version of Jordans? Like they, like Eddie Jones was a basketball player for the Hornets. He was on the Lakers, the heat. And he's kind of like, was a second rate star player. And for a hot second, he, but he had, had his, his own shoe. He had his own shoe. But all of my friends said, those aren't even like the best Jordans. And I just oh, felt. Oh, dude. That's, oh, no. This Are you putting like, your parents on blast, Kyle? No, they did a great job. They All I asked they for They probably didn't know better. No, no, no. And like, think about it, at the time, you're not really searching on the internet. Like, you look at like catalogs, like East Bay or whatever. Like, those are the things that you had. You went, you go to Foot Locker. And, and my parents yeah, just picked them out. Yeah. And so I'll, that's, they did what they were supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, I was an uncool kid for not having as cool Jordans. My, oh, in the first. bro. So, hey, props That's to my rough. parents. But yeah, no, I, I did some you online know, do digging. Do better, Mrs. Borgononi. <laughs> oh, no, she's going she's gonna to hear this. Um, so yeah, th- <laughs> those are the most memorable Christmas presents as kids. And on this episode, what we're going to do is kind of talk about our Christmas wishes for Dynasty. Each of us came up with two. And part of it is looking for 2024. Some of these might even be selfish, and that's okay. Like, it's okay to be selfish in Dynasty League. So, Betts, I will let you go first and lead us off and tell us one thing that you want to see for 2024. Yes, I'm going to start the conversation off with a team that was just embarrassed on uh, Thursday Night Football last week. We're talking about the Chargers. And specifically here, my wish is that this team reloads Justin Herbert's skill group which quietly is not great looking at this year and beyond you know mike williams coming off the acl is going to be 29 years old uh keenan allen is entering his age 32 season next year those guys both under contract for one more year and then at the running back position we kind of know the story with eckler which we've talked about on this show at length with him entering free agency and showing many signs of decline even guys like you know jalen guyton gerald everett those guys are free agents uh, this coming year so this is a team that needs a second playmaker at least to enter the conversation for next year and probably a third and then beyond 2024 it's a complete question mark given the state of the free agency situation they're 45 million dollars over the cap that is 31st in the league this year and then huge man quentin johnson uh. if if he had shown life and <laughs> a chance to emerge this year you know, really, the seas parted for him, right? I mean, you had the Mike Williams early uh, early injury. You had the Eckler decline, like uh, Josh Palmer on, on IR. Uh, it, that just didn't happen. And we've talked a lot about these guys, the guys that don't, you know, show some signs in year one. It's not always that they're never going to hit, but the hit rate is so low. And so if you have a miss on your first round wide receiver from last year, 
they were really relying on Quentin Johnson to be the heir apparent to the Mike Williams, Keenan Allen situation. If that doesn't work out, I just kind of wonder where we're at with Justin Herbert as far as his fantasy outlook in the short term. Obviously, in Dynasty, he's a stud and we don't really have any concerns. But, you know, for short term, it's like, man, could he have a top five season? Could he have a top eight season if the skill group isn't there to support him? So my wish is for the, the, the Chargers to reload the skill group for Justin Herbert. So how do they do it? Great question. I, I'm racking my brain because I've always been a Chargers truther. And I, I feel like my only response is just wondering, like, did they just flat out miss their window completely and then screw themselves over for the next three to four years? Because they spent a lot on defense. They spent a ton on the offensive line. They drafted Rashawn Slater and their GM's fire. Like, I, I feel like they're having to start all over from a skill position standpoint. And that's terrifying to me for a player that just signed a huge contract extension and they need a new scheme. I mean, like, I guess I'm just asking and trying to not be doomsday here, but like, did they miss their window where we're going to look back in five years and say, we got 10 years of Justin Herbert and maybe three of those were great for fantasy. It's very possible. What was the cap number bets that you have? They're 45 million over the cap for this coming season next year. That ranks 31st. So, and so like that's what's your, what's your source on that one or using uh, that's from Spotrack. A Spotrack. Okay. It's like with that, I mean, you're going to have to clean some contracts and be willing to take on some dead money. But with, with the draft of Quentin Johnston, I mean, you, do they go like full old school Detroit Lions where they just keep drafting wide receiver after wide receiver and eventually you find Calvin Johnson? But because you can't, how does this team take another first round wide receiver? I, they are in big, big trouble. They will have, as of now, we'll see what happens over the next you know couple of weeks. They have the eighth overall pick currently. They also have the 39th overall pick. So, it would not be surprising to me if they use one of those two and take a shot on another pass catcher, just given the state of things, because with the, you know, free agency issue, we talked about that too, with some of the upcoming wide receivers, like there's some great names that are going to be available, but they're not going to be in the running. I think given the financial situation for those dudes, so they're going to have to do it in the draft. So I would not be surprised to see them use at least a day two pick on a, a, a pass catcher here. Yeah. They're going to have to restructure. I'm looking at some numbers like Khalil Mack, his cap hit this next year. 38 million. Joey Bosa, cap hit, 36 million. They're they're just going to have to restructure some stuff because uh-huh. that's not good. Yeah, and then Derwin James is owed a ton of money over the next, you know, 4 years. So I just I worry that with a new regime that it's really hard to make a huge splash on a team that is going to have two or three pieces that are out in the next year. Like an aged out at least. Like Keenan, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, those guys are not going to be a part of the conversation when we look at 2025 Justin Herbert. So my last little point for Christmas wish, I want him to get the new weapons. But is it possible that you can get a haul now for Justin Herbert in like, let's say a super flex Interesting. League? You can get a haul for him for sure, I think. I mean, he's valued as a top six guy consensus, no, no question. Yeah, there's just a lot more variables where... I'm not saying, I mean, I love Justin Herbert. I really do. But I also think it's hard to make the upside case when we've kind of seen the offense be as best as it could, where I just don't see him returning a top five season right now 
apart from just a massive touchdown. Like he was doing that early in the year, right? Like the touchdowns were going his way. He was actually running the ball in. I just don't know, just pure numbers wise, if I can get him to 35 touchdowns again, if his wide receiver in two years is Quentin Johnston and I don't know who else. Yeah. I mean, a lot of time between now and then to, to, you know, flex seal some stuff, but he, it's, it's not an optimistic picture right now. Yeah. I would, I would wait, but I think you can think about shopping him if you're in a super flex league and you might be able to get a haul. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, we're back, and Mike is going to give us the most unselfish thing that he could want for 2024. Oh, yeah, speaking of selfish, but there are there are many people out there with me, and it is let Trey McBride cook next year. Like, continue to let it happen because right now is incredible. the The run that he is on just turned 24. It's only his second year in the NFL, and since week eight, we've seen nearly a 30% target share for him. The tight end three in fantasy football, and that's, I mean, he's not even putting up, like, he's not putting up Laporte touchdown numbers, which, in my opinion, is in the range of outcomes for Trey McBride. Like, I, I think he is that dude. The question for McBride, then, is, which they're, to try to remove myself from my excitement there are real questions of what is Kyler Murray the quarterback next year? You know, if if uh, the Cardinals end up with a top two pick, do they reboot? You know, they they trade Kyler away and his in his larger contract. You reset with a rookie quarterback. Okay, well now we have a rookie quarterback coming in, and despite the greatness of C.J. Stroud, you could end up with someone like Bryce Young, where you're getting absolutely no fantasy value from any skill players on that team right now. Or the Cardinals are at three and they take Marvin Harrison Jr. And he comes in and he has an alpha right away. But even in that scenario, it can still be him and Trey McBride. Uh, but it's just the, the point is hopefully he keeps showing out the rest of the year. Because I, I feel like if you keep balling at the level that he's at right now, then the team, their off-season plans shift. You know what I mean? It's not a, oh, well, that was Trey McBride had a nice run for us. Let's fix our weapons. It's, oh, maybe we have our 
our number two, or like we we have a Travis Kelsey type of player here, and let's just get a, another great wide receiver, so, and then we can play two man football, and we focus on these two guys getting all these targets because the the run has been incredible. the 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 draft selection for them is definitely paying off, and dynasty wise, which I, I'll spin the conversation. This just you know a, just to have a quick amount of fun. I looked. I tried to do a quick, dirty re-rank of my top 10 fantasy tight ends, and it's wild. I mean, this is a a massive, massive shakeup. As I still, when I did it, I still kept Mark Andrews number one because I mean, he's great. His his role in the offense is solidified, and he's got Lamar Jackson. Like it's and his coaching staff, he's locked in. That's at least the next couple of years. Then I tried to be somewhat unbiased. I put Laporta at number two. He's younger than Trey McBride. He's coming through with all these touchdowns. He's doing what he's doing as a rookie, like instantaneously. And then I, I put McBride at three, which means where you're know, like, where's Travis Kelsey? Where's Kyle Pitts? And the shakeup of the top 10 is it's absurd. It is absolutely absurd. What's going to happen to these rankings. So it just I'll spin the conversation to you guys that way. Like, do you happen to have your a, a quicker, dirty top ten tight end list on you, or can yes. you work through one? Yeah, I I think my first conversation you put Laporte at two is is there? Could you put him at one? Absolutely, absolutely, okay. you could. I put Laporta one, and then I actually had a really hard time figuring out where to put T.J. Hawkinson. I think he could go as high as two. I think he'd go to five, but. Hawkinson is a year and a half younger than Andrews. I think that he has a more he has a quarterback problem. Yes, for sure. I so this is me speaking out loud. Bets you can punch me as as the smart doctor here, but uh, it just bothers me with Mark Andrews that I feel like I'm always worried that he's going to get banged up. And I know that's more of just like anecdotal, but it's 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 happened a lot as a Mark Andrews manager that I've had to deal with that as he's gotten older. But 28. For Titans, nothing. So I had Laporta, and then I had Andrews, Hawkinson, and then McBride at four. Okay, I think that I don't like it, but I'll allow it. Is fair. Um, I I mean, I feel like sometimes we're almost a little bit too conservative with seeing this type of stuff on the field, and then you ask yourself or you make excuses for like why it's happening or why it couldn't happen the next year, or you don't want to be too aggressive. But why can't Trey McBride be the second overall tight end in Dynasty? Right? I mean. If someone wants to argue for him as one, I don't think that's crazy. Like the top four, top five to me is very fluid. I think I'd have Laporta just one based off age. I mean, this dude is so young. Doing what he's doing as a rookie is unheard of. And the situation seems pretty locked in. I think Jared Goff's the dude there for the next you know few years. Then I don't think it's crazy to say McBride. And maybe then Andrews, if you're just using age, even though we play in, you know, like a two-year window. But, you know, those kind of uh, conversations I think are certainly valid. Uh, with that and McBride's a guy that I think they're still not for a lot of people but for some leagues like there's still some people that are like oh man like this end of season run I want to capitalize on this I'm trying to get this dude on my rosters if I can so if there's a window where your league doesn't value him as a top five option overall I mean you got to go get him now before it's too late where would you guys have Kincaid because (laughs) before the season he was kind of seen as fifth sixth and I feel like you could put him there again, but then you're asking yourself, like, Kittle, where does he go? Where does Pitts go? 
And then where do you put Kelsey? So Mike, did you where did you put those guys in your ranks? Yeah. So I had uh McBride at three, then I had Hawkinson. Um George Kittle, I left him at five. He's thirty. He like he just turned thirty and his situation seems pretty stable for that two to three year window run. So I'm I'm okay having him there. And then I had Dalton Kincaid. Um but like and Dalton Kincaid is like his ranking when I talk about fluid, like what happened? If what happens if Stephon Diggs forces his way off of this team next year, and now it's they're trying to bring in someone who they think is can be at the number one wide receiver, and is Dal- and then there's Dalton Kincaid. I, mean, I think there there is a world where the offense runs through Dalton Kincaid, or there's a world where this is just status quo, and Dalton Kincaid will have spike games here and there. But as long as him and Dawson Knox are on sharing the field at the same time. Like things, he won't. He maybe he's never a featured player. You know, kind of like Kyle Pitts. Where is Kyle Pitts even in the the top ten anymore? I mean, this is it's at some point you can't just keep putting a player in the top five because they're super young and they're oozing with athletic ability. But what if Arthur's fired? Oh my gosh! Now now my head's spinning, boys. This there are. This is going to be an exciting offseason for the lot, tight Arthur. end position. The 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 greater note is we're back, baby. Like this is it's not Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey log out and the rest of the position doesn't matter. We have a lot of really actual usable fantasy tight ends, guys who are interesting. Like Jake crazy question for you, Bets. Would you rather have Jake Ferguson or Kyle Pitts? Ooh, man. If you would have asked me this a few months ago, that it's like, oh, Kyle Pitts, obviously. Yeah, I know, but, but we can't keep, are we, we just can't keep still doing back? that? <laughs> and Jake Ferguson is balling this year. He's played so and well. A, and he'll be 25 here in a month or two. And they like him. And, you know, Dak's going to get a huge contract here again. I think it's Jake Ferguson, honestly. Yeah, that's how I have it. What a world. I think I would still take Pitts, and I'll roll that into my argument. I, <laughs> oh, I will of course say this. you would. Falcons. Yeah, class. Homer. This is this is this is a selfish wish Arthur I'm about Smith. to share. I do not. But <laughs> I, I told Mike this before the show. Like Turd Ferguson could lead the league in touchdowns this next year. And then also in two years, he could pull a Robert Tunyon and be nothing. I I yep. think that his range of outcomes is I mean, it's just it's touchdown dependent on the offense. That is obviously throwing a ton, throwing to him in the red zone. So I get that. But my selfish wish is kind of dovetailing what we talked about. It is about the Atlanta Falcons, not just as a fan. But I, I'm thinking about the people, guys. Fantasy managers. Course, yeah, that's all we think about. Not yeah. our teams. Yeah. I mean, it, Falcons need to make a change for 2024. So let me just lay the land and let you guys say, this is dumb. This is not dumb. Here's how they could actually change things. Because just to let you know, things don't actually change with Atlanta. They just kind of stay in this boat of death and mediocrity forever. It's been that way. Mike gets that, Arizona fan. Just mm-hmm. kind of sit there in that lukewarm bathwater and just sit in it forever in your own field. Yeah, you're like, it's, it's okay. It's not great, but it's not the worst. Yeah. Uh, so the Falcons play a lot of close games. Nine of the last ten are one score. And... The one that wasn't, they won by nine. So basically every single game is one score. And Arthur Smith 
was quoted as saying this today. We will die trying to make sure we get this right. And I was asking all my Falcons friends, what do you guys want? They're like, I'll just take death. If we can just die (laughs) and just get past this, I would be fine. (laughs) Give me liberty or give me death. (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll take the death. I'll take the death. Um, So here's the problems with the Falcons that you probably identified as a fantasy manager. But just to give you some numbers, the offensive line has actually been pretty good this year. They're fifth in PFF's pass and run blocking grades. Like they've been a good unit. If you watch the games, that hasn't been the problem. They're just the most predictable offense in the league. On first and 10 guys, their neutral pass rate is 38%. That's dead last in the NFL. In other words, on first and 10, teams are lining up and going, I think I know what this team wants to do. I think they're going to run the ball. We got to get got to get to third manageable, Kyle. Well, that's what it's all about. The it's, clock, it's, it's set up second It's not about like I could get a first down here or a second down. No, third and manageable. That's where Keep I want to be. The 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 crazy part about third down conversion rates is they're actually top ten in the league. So they convert third downs, but they <laughs> yeah, they're manageable. They they stink <laughs> in the red zone. So when you're predictable and you run and you run, um, it doesn't set things up well. You're supposed to be good at play action. That was Arthur Smith's thing. Remember in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, is that they were super efficient on play action. They've been bad at that, and they have turnover problems. So. I want to ask you guys from a dynasty perspective what this team is trying to do. Because, Mike, you referenced it earlier. The Falcons tried to do what the Lions of the 2000s did, where they drafted a ton of offensive weapons. They drafted Joey Harrington, Charles Rogers, Roy Williams, Mike Williams, four years in a row. Those were top 10 picks. And none of them, and I mean none of them, worked out until a couple years later, they got a guy named Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford. So... If you were building a team and right now they have a top 10 pick, like, is it just like clear house, you know, with Kyle Pitts? Cause his fifth year option is coming up this off season pickup. Is it just saying we move we're on already there? They they have to decide this off season. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so he's yes, entering and all, his, he'll be in his fourth year next year. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll be in his year, fourth that year. That makes sense. Yes. Ooh, time flies. And by the way, if he's classified as a tight end, it's a $10.5 million cap hit. That's what they're projecting. Yeah, that's an easy uh, pickup. And wide, if he cla- tries to classify as a wide receiver, it's $19 million, which is no. They're probably not going to do that. But uh, could be a new regime, could be new. But this team, how do you make changes? I'm asking for a, a really, really, really close friend. How would you guys do this? I mean, you have to clear house it. I... It's look, it's tough. It's a human being, and we're talking about it taking his job away from him. That that part sucks, but he doesn't deserve to have this job. Like it's he he doesn't. He is fine. The and the the one like breadcrumb of hope is or I should say two. Yeah, I don't know if everyone saw it, but before the game, more news was coming out of, you know, Arthur Smith can he can uh end up with a 7 and 10 record for the th- uh, third year in a row and he probably can hold on to his job which that's that's not the norm when when a coach comes in and on like by their third year you're not showing true improvement I mean oftentimes you get the boot it's results based they said he seems safe but if he loses this week to the Carolina Panthers, that could start to change some things about 
the security of his job long term. And then I saw a little, uh, pretty much like a throwaway note from someone at the press conference where I think Arthur was, you know, trying to get up there and do his press conference, and someone talked to uh, Arthur Blank. Is that your team owner? Yeah, Home Depot. And, um, and, and, uh, and it was like basically him saying, don't talk to me right now. <laughs> like, this is not a good time to be. And it was, oh, man, your team owner getting big mad, which he should be, that your team just went out and lost to the worst team in football. I mean, I think the Falcons have, they're they're fine. Like, they have a, a roster that's good enough to compete. And if you have a roster that's good enough to compete and you lose to to a dumpster fire of a team that's already on a backup coach with a quarterback who can't move the ball, I mean that's consequences have to show up. So that that's the that's the path forward is next year you get a coach who comes in and it's like, holy crap, I'm surrounded by offensive weapons. How were you guys so bad in the past? Yeah, it's it's bad vibes. Currently, um, yeah, bad. The vibes th- are bad. They're not great. The thing that I think has been tough for Atlanta, just in general, if you go back to the preseason, is this is a wide open division. Anyone can win this division. But a lot of people were saying like the Saints and the Falcons kind of have the the runway to do it. And yeah, the Bucks have been a nice story, and you know the Panthers obviously fell in their face. But like even with that opportunity, the team has not taken it. And if there would have been potentially better usage for the best players on the team maybe better management as far as play calling that could have gone a long way in sneaking out an extra win or two. And then maybe Atlanta isn't having this conversation, but I think it could be a blessing in disguise to have the season have gone the way it has and say, look, we, we do have to change. And whether it's Arthur Smith, uh, you know, just kind of getting the boot and getting a new, you know, fresh perspective in there, that might be what we need, but this team needs a quarterback. I mean, the combination of Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke is just not it. I mean, it's just not going to work. Right. Um, man, that interception from Ritter this past weekend, I know it was rainy, I know it was was windy, but my goodness, it looked like me out there. I mean, what what is this? Uh, you can't win in the NFL with bad quarterback play. We've seen that year after year and sure you could sneak in and you could win maybe a playoff game, but you'll get bounced the next, next week. Right. So you need a quarterback to win in the NFL. They don't have one. Yeah. A couple of quick cap notes for the team is there's literally nobody else under contract as a wide receiver on the team than Drake London next year. So they have room in terms of there's literally no one else under contract. Johnu Smith, they can save themselves six and a half million if they cut uh, Arthur Smith's buddy, Johnu, the Smith bros, and uh, leave him aside. And then they took a bunch of one-year flyers on really big names. Calais Campbell, who's like locker room guy, but he's also a lot older. Bud Dupree, they, they took a lot of one-year flyers on defensive guys. My actionable advice, though, is in situations where it's uncertain, because right now it's like, are they going to fire him? Are they not? You know, this off season, we'll, we'll find out. When things are uncertain, you usually can get a slight discount on these players, right? Probably, you know, whatever you're going to pay for Kyle Pitts, if you think there's something there, it's at least 25% off of whatever it could be. Uh, same thing with Drake London. Even Bijan Robinson right now should be locked in as the RB1 in Dynasty Circles or Gibbs. Those, those are kind of the two guys. I think you would get a slight discount if you were going to try to acquire him. However, understand when something's on sale, like if you're going to the store and you see something on sale, you're like, sweet, 
you're not really factoring in all the other costs of like shipping. And then you get to check out and you're like, oh crap. Like when you're online, you're like, this, this sucks. And also that it's on sale and there's a reason it's on sale. So don't just like jump at the value for the Falcons, but understand, I bet you can get them, I don't know, 15, 25% off. That's my holiday sale pitch. Sure. And, and I mean, with the, yeah, Kyle, maybe you're more plugged in than I am with like how many first round quarterbacks are they expecting at this point at in, the, in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, if there's at least four and you're in their pick, what, eight? Is that what we said? They're at 10 right now. 10. And if they, if they win at home this weekend against the Colts, it's that'll it's, destroy it. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, if you have a top 10 pick and there's four quarterbacks, you don't have to make the the super splash, the Bryce Young. We're trading up to number one. You know, have your have your plan, and and maybe one of those quarterbacks is there at like six, and go up and get him at that point. So there's 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 some pathways, but it starts with it starts with removing Arthur Smith. I was gonna say too one thing just before we move on. Normally, rookie quarterback landing spots are rough because you don't have playmakers to support that guy i.e carolina but we've seen stroud really emerge because they have nico collins in house they had tank dell you know they have options well, to actually support him dell. well yes uh pouring out but in atlanta a rookie quarterback is going to be inserted into an offense with Bijan, drake london and kyle pitts a rookie could succeed there is is kind of my take home if the coaching and scheme is right yeah and i'll talk about a little bit later um just some offensive coaching you know, just some hires that the, around the league, the Falcons and other teams could make. But let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, we're back in bets. You're going to serve us up another Christmas wish in Dynasty. Yes, I am just going to kind of throw out an overarching theme at the running back position. Uh, our esteemed colleague, Mike Wright, once said, screw them RBs. And <laughs> I've said it, it, really is a changing of, <laughs> it really is a changing of the guard, right? I mean, you've got names that have been household RB1 players for years in Eckler, Henry, Kamara, Mixon, Nick Chubb, even Raheem Mostert you know, this year, right? James Conner. Uh, the running back position is in a major turnover where those guys are all aging out. And we have this influx of youth that I just want to see these young running backs continue to emerge and and be the guys that we need on our roster. I mean, Rashad White, we've, we've talked about him a lot. He's looked great recently. James Cook, you know, really, I think has exceeded everyone's expectation as far as what he did in that offense. And 
with them shifting to more of a run focused, you know, approach recently and looking at the situation for their pass catchers next year, if there is no digs, I mean, James Cook could be the center of that offense. So that's exciting. You've got Devon Achan, Isaiah Pacheco, I think has the job for at least another year in KC. And then my wish list to add to that is let's get Brees and Javante healthier next year. Let's get Brees a quarterback and let's see what these 2024 rookies can do. Uh, a couple of names that I'm interested in, and we'll see kind of as the NFL draft gets closer, uh, Blake Corum, Trey Benson, and then Jonathan Brooks out of Texas did tear his ACL, unfortunately, in November, but um, he'll be a guy that I think people are very excited about in Dynasty. So lots of younger running backs that I'm getting more excited about that if you would have asked me about this group last year, I would have said, eh, RB2, maybe flex guys for your team, but these guys are looking really nice right now. You also mentioned, you know, the guys, they White, Cook. Like these weren't guys that people were taking at the 102, 103. Like these could have been players on teams that were contenders and got them at the back of the first. So it's nice to be able to find running backs like that. A lot of times we're reaching in dynasty for players. Like I just need somebody to fill a roster spot. So the fact that we get a plethora of players, like, you know, Rashad White was a second round pick that you, that you took a couple years ago. And now you're like, sweet. I have an RB that I can count on every single week. Didn't know he'd be the RB4, but uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. Is Rashad White safe next year? Like his job? Yeah. I mean, like, sorry, I'm derailing our conversation here, but I want to talk about Rashad White because I was thinking about it recently of he's had an excellent year. He has been, you know, seemingly better on the ground, still not as efficient as you would hope for. Elite as a pass catcher, but is is he really safe? Because he's he will if this is like status quo. I mean, in redraft, Rashad White's what a second back of the second round pick. Yeah, and you're like, oh man, we've I've been here before. I've been here before where these running backs were all alone, and then they just vol. He's he's not voluming his way. I don't want to. That's belittling what how he's how well he's playing. But a portion, a portion of what he's done is just volumed his way to being a an elite fantasy running back. And you go, I've 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 been here so many times. Of you fall in love with these running backs, and they don't have the 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 skills, the true skill set. But you overlook that and just look at the opportunities, and then you have a bust pick right in front of you. So what? How? What is your belief in Rashad White? Like, are you? Are you valuing him as a top 10, top 12 dynasty running back right now? Or are you still holding <laughs> holding out your opinion on him? Where are you guys at? Yeah, I'll jump in. You know, he's a guy that I was kind of off of this past offseason just because I did think it was going to be an opportunity-based play. And we've seen that, like you said, not work out for a lot of players. However, over the back half of the year, not only has his volume been awesome, his efficiency has gotten better, both as a runner and as a pass catcher. And to me, like that's a good sign of a player's not just ability to compile volume, but also do something with it. So I do think he deserves back-end RB1 conversation in Dynasty circles. That said, my approach to the running back position in general in Dynasty is to move them when their value is at their absolute highest. And coming off a season where he's, you know, knock on wood, stayed healthy all year, been the dude, been a top five option in fantasy, you have to ask yourself, you know, is this the best season we'll ever see from Rashad White? And if you're a betting man, I would say probably. And so if someone's willing to value him in that way, 
I'd be looking to sell. Not that he'll be a bad fantasy player for you next year, just as far as capitalizing and getting the most for a, a dynasty asset on your team. I think the hardest part is if you have him, you probably just hold yeah. you and for at least one more enjoying year. It. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just hard because what are you going to get in return? Like a first that you're kind of spending the same thing and hoping next year you find another running back. So I just, maybe it's because on my teams, I'm desperate, desperate for running backs. Now he's not somebody that I'm thinking I want to go acquire. Like, I feel like I'd have to pay more than what I think he's worth. Where two years down the line. It's like this guy, he, he is older, like older for his, you know, draft class and everything that it just, it worries me because the efficiency is so bad. So I think you just kind of enjoy it. Stay around one more year, get the volume, but don't think you have a locked in RB one. Like I'll give you, here's a terrible decision for you. If you had, or not, well, not if you just player A versus player B, Rashad white or Kenneth Walker. Hmm. I don't love this decision. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> As I mean, Walker, great elite running back, but possibly in a more of a timeshare next year. We don't know. The guy, you want to talk about not staying healthy, that's Kenneth Walker. This guy, we are what are we, two years in and just keeps missing multiple games. So that, I mean, that's a, a ridiculous, a ridiculous place to be where Kenneth Walker one year ago would, you know, go heading into last year's offseason, easy top five dynasty running back, easy. Then he is dra- then his dynasty value gets ripped at the NFL draft. And now you're looking across the, the yard into your neighbor's, you know, your neighbor's backyard and you see Rashad White there not missing games, being incredible, catching all these passes. <laughs> so what? I don't know. I, I don't, I have Kenneth Walker and you're like, there's no way, there's no way I would go trade him for Rashad White. And it seems like if I offered that, it would get accepted immediately. I think I would rather have Rashad White, <laughs> which is crazy because, and let me, yes. let me just explain. Yes. Chaos. If ever there was a running back that you're going to bet on to catch 40 plus 50 plus passes every right. single year is Rashad White. Can, can Kenneth Walker actually catch the ball? He's actually shown it a little bit more recently. He can catch the ball, but that team is never going to focus on him in that role. So if you're playing in any half or full PPR format, to me, it's Rashad White. These teams are also right there on the, like, the NFC playoff like door where like the Bucks are leading their division. Seahawks are right there. And Gino and Baker are question marks for the future too. So it's like beyond this year, I think I would just say I get a better pass catching floor and I don't have the competition, but I I also know that that's not ever the story in Dynasty. Like whatever competition yeah, there I will think, be competition. Yes. So if you ask me right now, I'll just take white and hate myself for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike, you are up next. All right. Next Christmas wish. Uh so this one is actually not selfish because I don't have Patrick Mahomes anywhere in Dynasty. Uh, but get Mahomes some real players. Like, let this year and oh, have heaven help us all if they actually make a Super Bowl run with this roster, because it will then be see, we told you we don't need we don't need real wide receivers. We just keep doing this and Patrick Mahomes is that good. 
they need a player. Fantasy football needs a player. The end the the era of Travis Kelsey is coming to an end and there is I mean there is just nobody. Kyle, you pulled up the best non-Tyreek Hill fantasy wide receivers for Patrick Mahomes. And the first two years, it was Sammy Watkins, who came in at a sweet finish of 62 and 51. Then it was McCole Hardman for back-to-back years at wide receiver 59 and 51. Juju, okay, okay. Juju had a wide receiver 29 finish. Maybe Rasheed Rice is that guy, and he can keep improving and coming along as a wide receiver, and he becomes a true number one. I. I don't know, but the point being, even with Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey on the field right now, this is this is but a mere shadow of the offense that you would expect from Patrick Mahomes, the offense that the Kansas City Chiefs has given us, the scoring output, the fantasy output. So get like stop screwing around with Mahomes. Get him a true number one wide receiver. I Mike Evans, T. Higgins. I don't know. Make a splash in free agency or with your first-round pick. But for the love of God, give Patrick Mahomes a true number one wide receiver so we can enjoy life and enjoy Kansas City Chiefs games. Because, dude, Chiefs games are not fun. They're they're not fun football games to watch right now. Unless you have Pacheco. Then they've been great. But watching this team is... I'm sad. I just... I get sad a little bit watching this team knowing what it should be with Mahomes. So please get him a player. If you turn back the clock and look at their draft picks, McCall Hardman, they took in the second round ahead of, I don't know, DK Metcalf. Well, Deont- and, and the McCall Hardman, you got to remember, the McCall Hardman pick was a prayer pick of Tyreek Hill at that time. I don't know if people remember. <laughs> Tyreek Hill was at a dynasty value of negative. It wasn't zero. It was negative. No one wanted Tyreek Hill because of his off-the-field stuff. Sure looked like he was about to get banished from the NFL. And then all of that stuff magically went away, and and Tyreek Hill is where he is now. But that was the McCole Hardman pick was literally, we're going to lose Tyreek Hill. Who's the fastest wide receiver left? And they took McCole Hardman. And it uh, it was a dumb pick. It was a reach. Because yeah, nobody, it was, yeah, it was panic. He was a gadget player at Georgia when he was there, but then next year with CEH, they took with felt like a luxury pick. They took him at you know last pick of the first round, right ahead of T Higgins, who they could now pay up and, for this year. And Pity City and Michael, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, and Matt, yeah, it was that pick of Clyde. All you have to, if you want a running back, just take Jonathan Taylor. But it's like if you want to have a better team, imagine this team with Michael Pittman or T Higgins on it ridiculous and then i I did some digging when they took sky Moore, uh 54th overall that was the pick before trey mcbride i mean you had you you had your next kelsey lined up (sighs) yeah it's in free agency has been bad sammy watkins mvs did you guys see he has a higher cap hit this year than tyreek yeah i mean tyreek's cap is about to explode so yeah cap hits are are tough because they structure them like do I want to take the hit now or am I trying to championship window and I'll pay for it later so I'm I'm not always looking at cap hits but that when you when you see that they are about 
one to two million dollars away. That feels real bad. Yes. And MVS, I mean, he's going to be cut so they can save themselves 12 million this next year. So that one feels ridiculous. Um, they are $30 million under the cap this next year, but they have some big free agent signings like Chris Jones is going to be a free agent. Legarius Sneed, who's been awesome for, I mean, the defense is kind yeah, of, yeah, you got to pay one of those guys. So I don't know, Betts, do you, we've talked a lot about the free agent wide receivers this next year. Do you think that's a route they go? Because it's not working with, uh, your boy Kadarius Tony, and as awesome as Justin Watson is, it's just like outside of Rice, there's just nobody. Yeah, and this is kind of the the tricky thing with like the team. I feel like, and maybe the front office just sort of took for granted the fact that they have Mahomes and truly burnt draft picks. And when you have Mahomes making the contract that he will over the next whatever, however many years it is, um, you know, really that stuff does catch up to you. You burnt the pick on Clyde. You burnt the pick on Sky Moore. And so I do think that they're going to probably look at that situation and say, look, we got to pay our defensive guys. Our best way to support Mahomes probably is going to be through the draft again. So they're probably going to, I think, use a back one or maybe a second round pick potentially on another pass catch or another offensive weapon, especially with Kelsey aging out. So, I mean, Rasheed Rice has looked great. I think he is going to be uh, a fixture of the offense, obviously, moving forward with what he's done. We don't know about Kelsey. He could be back. He could move on. But if he decides to move on, this team has to prioritize a second option because they have kind of taken it for granted with how well Mahomes has played. So I think it'll be via the draft. It just kind of depends on, I think, what they want to do in free agency. Like you mentioned some of the upcoming guys and the upcoming names. Like T. Higgins is going to be pricey. He's going to command a three, four-year deal and probably be one of, if not the highest wide receiver on the market. So it's just going to be a matter of how they want to prioritize that versus their defense. It's it's a lot of risk, man, but they got to get someone in there. When I look at their drafts, I, it just and this is what dynasty rookie drafts feel like anyway. It's like, okay, I shot my shot with the flashy player. Hardman, didn't work. I tried with Sky Moore because I liked his production profile. Didn't work. CEH, like, he was good in this offense. Like, it's almost like they were doing what we do as managers all the time, just shooting our shots because you are blessed with the best asset in sports. Is that what you'd say? In, I mean, Mahomes? Yeah, I mean, he's no Otani. I mean, but. for for my knowledge of sports, yeah, because I don't factor in football. You don't you don't look at all the hockey contracts and figure out who's the next no. Sergey Fedorov. No, I, what? No, <laughs> no, no. Kyle. I appreciate the okay. reference, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, NHL ninety four. What a what, what a, a game. what a ride that was. And let me throw That's out one the one where the, where you can like where where guys bleed on the ice, right? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of hockey games in the 90s that like hockey was super fun in video games and then when I would go to watch it I didn't enjoy it as much and I kind of lost interest. The actual sport? The actual sport, but video games were awesome. Did you play the the NBA Jam one? Play like NBA the, Jam on No, Super no, Nintendo? the NBA the NBA Jam version of hockey. There was a 3v3 hockey game that was real fast-paced. Oh, NHL rink. Maybe uh, NHL hits? Let me look at that. Let me look I played Wayne Gretzky hockey on my 64, and that one was pretty awesome. That one was pretty awesome. Um, hits might have been it. I don't know if that's the arcade one I'm thinking of. I'll look into it, boys. All right. I'm going to give us back. one more. This will be sh- short and simple. And I don't think this is selfish because I think this is just us wanting good offensive football. 2023 for the NFL has been a little bit of a disappointment. Would you, I know that's a big overarching term, but like offensively, would you guys say this year has been kind of disappointing league-wide? 
Oh, very yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it the scoring's down. Betts and I talk all the time about 50-point games. I mean, only one of them have hit the over this year on 50-point games. And, you know, we're getting weeks where it's like, we have five games that are in the 30s. The reason is, is because we have all of this nonsense. And I can hear Mike in my head like, why are we doing this over and over again? Defensive head coach hires are not good. The track record is terrible. Since 2018, I looked at every oh, single... Yeah, non- say it louder, baby. It's terrible. It's the worst. Since 2018, every single non-offensive head coach hire in the NFL, almost all of them have been utter busts and ruined franchise. The only ones that have been hits, Mike Vrabel, because he's coached out of his mind for the Titans. And if Jason were on this podcast, he would be going nuts because he's a Mike Vrabel truther. And then... they And they hit on a unicorn to be fair to them that's true and then i would say the only other hit i can go through the list has been D'Amico ryan's this year and it's still only one year in right like go through the list and you look at non-offensive head coach hires matt patricia let's laugh out loud about him being a lions head coach steve wilkes lasted a year vic fangio great coordinator not a great head coach brian flores was kind of done dirty uh matt jaw rule let's laugh about that they gave him a 60 million dollar deal which is hilarious. Yeah. Joe Judge. <laughs> oh, like, what are you doing? No one even liked him. Ron Rivera should have been fired last year and hopefully is fired this year. I don't, hopefully they just move on. Um, Brandon Staley was gone. Robert Sala, defense is good, it, but it hasn't fixed the offense. Um, Matt Eberflus, he's 8-22 and 22 as a head coach. Lovey Smith, one year. Dennis Allen, his team hates him. And then... <laughs> I'll let you say this. Jonathan Gannon. What are your vibes on Jonathan Gannon? They're not good. It's they not are, f- no, they, they it's not good when when your supposed to be franchise quarterback who has looked who has played at an MVP level before looks this bad. I mean, and your and your defense is like your 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 calling card is defense. And our defense is um, our Arizona's defense is awful. It yes. is it is terrible. Like they get any position could just beat up on the Cardinals. So yeah, I would as of right now it is it is trending to be a catastrophe. And and here's the philosophical point behind this is fixing the defense is what a lot of time owners and other players they, they look at the team and they go, man, we just need to fix this defense. We're thirtieth in the league. Let's bring in a defensive head coach guru from these really good teams. And the problem is is that if your offense stinks and your offense is like not sustaining drives, then you're going to pay for it on defense and you're going to see all of these teams that are suffering in the same way. However, teams that have gotten creative, teams that have gotten younger and looked at coaching trees that have flourished and said, hey, I'm going to pick off those guys. It's gone pretty well. You look at this year. Why did D'Amico Ryan's work? Well, they picked Bobby Slowick away from the 49ers and said, hey, I want to use this San Francisco uh, offense, motion, everything else that Kyle Shanahan does. And that's where we've seen the most success, right? The Mike McDaniels, uh, Kevin O'Connell was poached from Sean McVay's staff, Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen has been an awesome hire this year. The Colts are a great team. Yes. It's a miracle that they're surviving with Gardner Minshew. Uh, so my rant is let's get these teams. Like I'm looking at potential head coach spots, maybe Atlanta, Carolina, Maybe Chicago, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, New England, maybe Washington. Let's get an 
offensive mind, a young offensive mind. And there's some guys out there that are probably going to be poached. You know, number one on the list is probably Ben Johnson from the Lions. It, he was tried to get poached last year. They brought him some more money. Eventually, you know, he's going to move on. Bobby Slowick, Cincinnati's Brian Callahan, Miami's Frank Smith. I mean, these are offensive coordinators. Uh, Tampa Bay's Dave Canales has done a great job with the Buccaneers. There are roles for these teams. And if they just get a little bit more creative, instead of just saying, let's fix the defense, I think it could be good. So that is my selfish wish. Also, and new blood. I'll, I'm going to combo on you and say new blood. I, I get it. It's terrifying to bring a, a an unproven head coach in because they fail. But head coaches fail all the time. It's like the retreads fail all the time. Give Give someone new an opportunity over someone who has already failed multiple times. The the guys who have you know, like are on their even just their second job, it's it's weird. When you're like, "Oh, I saw what you did and you survived in your your last job for like just a couple years, but but it might work for us." No, go give someone new a chance. <laughs> your asset development thing? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, it might work for us. Yeah. Um it uh, never works. It's, it's a great point, Kyle. I think us. it's it's super valuable to kind of think about that too, just as an NFL fan, because you said the scoring has been so bad this year and, you know, kind of the way things have trended. But we talk about this in fantasy too. Like sometimes we overrate matchups just in general, right? Like what your offense does will dictate how you perform on the field. I don't want to say defense doesn't matter because it matters. But relatively speaking, if you don't have an offense, you have nothing, right? And you can't win in today's NFL 13 to 7 every game. We're seeing that with the Jets. We're seeing that with a bunch of teams. So this is, uh, I think, I'm excited to see where these guys go. I think, like you said, Ben Johnson is going to be the dude this offseason. I think the Chargers should give him an obscene amount of money <laughs> to go with Justin Herbert for us, and, and we'll pair these little Christmas wishes together. But um, yeah, man, the coaching right now in the NFL seems uh, very sus, as the kids say. I, I did a little uh, research, as I like to do, and I just said, I'm going to find the guy who is like holding the clipboard in San Francisco, because I bet five years from now, I, we're going to be talking about this guy. So, you know, look at San Francisco, look at the Rams, look at the Dolphins, look at some of these teams. You're like, this offense is innovative. And I bet you're going to be finding some assistants in the next three to four years that are household names. Like, I mean, we weren't talking about Mike McDaniel. He was a ball boy back in the day. And with the Falcons, he was just chilling, hanging out. And then all of a sudden he's the hottest name, you know, in coaching. So uh, hopefully, hopefully. Yep. I do have an update as well. Uh, it is NHL Open Ice. Okay. That was the game. And it's it's a 2v2. 2v2, the, I guess the three if you count the goalie. Oh, I'm seeing a Paul Correa, Tamu Solani, Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, it, Midway made it. Midway is the company that did uh, you know, all the NBA jams and stuff too. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Dynasty Podcast. We will be back next week after Christmas and get to hang out with you guys, talk more Dynasty in the offseason. We'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out thefantasyfootballers.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. 
Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 